0: John chapter 21, verses 18 to 23, reading. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, He saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me, then when they saying abroad among the brethren that dis- that disciple should not die, yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us through yet another week of school and work and gathering us safely into thy house to study your word. Lord, we know this is not by chance, and this is thy goodness and mercy in our lives. Father, we pray that now you would um, once again cleanse us and wash us thoroughly in the blood of Christ. We desire that, Lord, any known sins of ours be confessed and repented of. May thou, O Lord, hear. We pray also that you would send your Holy Spirit to teach us, Lord, our hearts, our minds cannot understand your word nor receive it unless thy Spirit work in us. The words of men avail nothing. So, Father, we pray tonight that you will work in every hearer's heart. Grant success with thy word to transform lives, to love you, to worship you, to serve you. We pray for every group studying your word. May you be with the teachers. May you, Lord, feed your sheep tonight in thy house. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we continue. We have been talking about Feed My Sheep. I hope by now we are very, very clear in our hearts and minds. What is the meaning of feed my sheep? The Lord wants the Apostle Peter to feed his children so that they will also know Christ, love him. That is the main purpose of feeding. Okay, let me see if you remember. CP, what's the main purpose of feeding? Main purpose of feeding. Feeding you. Feeding God's sheep. Grow to know him and to love him, all right? So that's always the purpose you study. Now, I know you smile when you say that answer, but that is the purpose. And over time, when that purpose sinks deeper in your heart, every time you read God's word, you study God's word, it becomes more and more real. Always study to know Christ. That's what we talk, we've been talking about on Tuesday night, right? Always study to know Christ, not to know theology, to know doctrines. That's important. But all that is that we may know him as a person the person the th- the second person in the in the godhead so that is the purpose to have a personal relationship fellowship and walk with him and then for the purpose of loving him okay so that is why the church feeds you that is why you come to be fed now then immediately after that the lord told the told apostle Peter, that he will die the death of the crucifixion, correct? When he's old, he will die. how will he die, Phoebe? By? By crucifixion, when he's old, when he's old. And in verse 19, he says, this is how, um, this is what will happen. Now, then he, after that, immediately um, says, follow me. But before we reach there, I ask question number one. Now, what is the difference between faith and and that God has ordained all things already for your life. Do you know what I mean? Caleb, do you understand what is fate? F-A-T-E, fate. Not fat, fate. Understand fate? No? Mm-hmm. Do you understand what is fate? Say again. Dying. dying. <laughs> Alright, every time people talk about your fate, we think about dying. Yes, it includes that. It includes that. Very good. Um, fate. Now, remember, Christ told Peter how he would die. Christ also told Peter when he will die, correct? He said you'll die when you're old. And when you're old, how you will die, and what people will do to you. So, for the believer, you must understand that how, you will, how your life will turn out, will pan out, as you walk with the Lord, God has already ordained how you will die. It is already ordained. Understand that, right? Peter would be—they will capture him. He'll be too old. They'll capture him. They will drag him to the cross. They will crucify him. For us, it could be—I don't know about me. I was just telling Sharon the other day. I think maybe I'll die of cancer. So common now, right? Maybe to some of us, when we're crossing the street, we get knocked down by a car. It's already ordained. Like I told you, I received a letter from, from a company in Singapore and just told me, the person that's, that is servicing you is dead. So and so has taken over. So it's when, how has been ordained. So it looks like our life is ordained by God already. So some people say, ah, well, when something happens, then you say, ah, yeah, my fate. That's my fate, Right? So, um, Justin, what's the difference between God asking? She Christian say, that's my fate? No. Uh, it's just my fate to be short, my fate to be, to, to one day, um, someone say, my fate to fall down and then be crippled for the rest of my life. It's just my fate. Should Christian use the word fate? Why not? Uh. It does not include God in the picture. Usually when people use the word fate, right? So we try not to use this word fate. Yes, we know that God has ordained all things. But usually when people use the word fate, they are thinking of, well, there's no such thing as God. And then the, some powers in this universe. Yes, this is my life. This is what it's going to be. That's my fate. Okay? When God is involved, we talk about God's what? God's, where's uh, Elim? God's what? When God is in, because God is involved. Faith means, well, it's just, this is how it's going to be. My, the, my bad luck, uh, my chances, my life is like that. But when the God is involved, because it is God's what? God's what? Start with S. God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. God is sovereignly in control. He ordained all things. He's absolutely in control. Alright, faith is usually tied with bad luck. Ah, oh, this is bad luck. So Peter can say, "Ah, yeah, my bad luck. I, I will, I will die on the cross. Or oh, my good luck. I will, I will grow old." <laughs> so fate is usually thought of in that way, but the sovereignty of God means God is absolutely in control. He knows everything. He knows the future. He knows exactly what he's doing. Nothing can cause what he intends to do to be derailed. Okay? He ordained that is what will happen. So. That is what is the difference. So, number one, God is not involved. It's usually thought like that. Number two, it usually denotes bad, something bad, bad luck. Denotes something that is unpleasant, some things we don't desire. It's my fate. Right? My fate means uh, you resign to something bad in life. All right? So, usually people think of it that way. But for the believer, when God ordained it, is it Bad? Uh, Jennifer, when God ordains something in your life, is it bad? So we shouldn't use the word fate. Because usually people think of bad. Maybe they don't think of bad, but usually it means bad. So if it is, so, but Peter is going to die on the cross, you know. He's going, when he's old, instead of staying in a nice nursing home, like the Sunday ones we go to, he's going to be captured, dragged around, and then he's going to be tied up, then he's going to be crucified, a very painful and terrible death. That's not bad. Your sister is whispering something to you. What did she whisper? Nothing. Huh? Huh? Not bad. Alright, so sister, not bad, not bad. Why not bad? But it's something bad, isn't it? Very good. Alright? Very good. The answer is God. Verse 19. Now God spake this spake he. His crucifixion, Christ spoke of his crucifixion, now signifying, telling him, this is a very strong indication, confirming, by what death he should die, he should, by what death he should glorify God. Glorify God. So whatever that God ordains in the Christian life, even if it is for you to be, to be knocked down by a car one day and then you're crippled for the rest of your life, or the doctor treat you and then treated you wrongly and you're blind for the rest of your life? For example, Fanny Crosby, right? Is that bad luck? Is that fate? No, it's ordained by God. And it is always it is always so God ordained. Alright? Not fate, alright? Not fate not fate ordained fate is the one that ordained this in my life fate did not ordain anything it's God that ordained now God ordained to that it may anything in your life to glorify him to glorify him means it's always good it's always good alright so um, Jennifer is right always good or should I say Veronica is right (laughs) always good it's always good. Can you then define what is good? Bit now I come down to, come down Anna. Anna, can you define that in the Christian life? What happens in the Christian life? What is good? Good should be defined by? If God has allowed it, if God has allowed it, it's always good. Right. As long as God ordains something, it is always good. What about another definition? Um, when you look at here, what is always considered good? When it, when the thing, when something. All right. Look, no, no clue, no clean, no, no clue. Joshua. When anything. God says, I ordain this. Whatever God ordains is for his glory. Remember that. Whatever God ordains is for his glory. And whatever is ordained for his glory is always good. But then I still ask the question, how can Peter dying on the cross be good for Peter? Is it good? Okay, come down to Josiah. Is it good for Peter? (laughs) <laughs> why well, you say yes with a, with, a, with, with a squint in your face? Yes. Why, why yes? He is glorifying God. Very good answer. Because anything that happens in our life that cause us to glorify God, cause, cause me, whatever it is, cause me to glorify God is always good for me. I repeat, eh? this must sink into our hearts. This is a very important sin. Whatever God ordains in my life that causes me, whatever it is, good, seemingly good in the eyes of men, not good in the eyes of men. as long as it glorifies God, it is good for me. Can you accept that? It is good for me. Until, actually this is tied to, remember the helmet of salvation. Okay, this is the head, right? I don't know how to draw helmet. How to draw helmet? Those soldiers' helmet are like that. Right? Helmet of salvation. Who remembers? Oh, we've got to go down. Now, Shane, what is the helmet of salvation? It's about salvation, right? Yes, try. Uh, how, how God save me. know how to keep salvation. Salvation is always permanent. How... It's, it's to protect our thoughts. The brain. The grey matter. Black matter. It's to protect the, what we think. What must be protected? Justin, help your brother. Spiritual thinking. Wow, this one, alright. You must come up for Sunday and sit at my table. Alright. Uh, okay, next. Uh, ben Cho, do you remember? Whenever you think of how much of salvation, what is the thought we, are, we must make sure we think about? Uh, saved for a reason. Very good. Saved for a reason. That's why it's about salvation. What's the reason? Glorify God. <laughs> okay, to glorify God also can Uh, testimony is to live a sanctified life. Remember? To live a holy life from the penalty and power of sin. That's salvation. So Shane and Justin, every time you say helmet of salvation, always think about I'm saved to live a life that is sanctified. Yes, and to glorify God. And what is that thought that we must? If you have this thought, it is so powerful. The helmet of salvation is so powerful. What is that power? If you have that thought and you protect that thought, Satan cannot Cause you to fall, um, Aaron. Do you remember? On Sunday, were you on Sunday? Okay. On Sunday, I, I was preaching about if you know this, if you have this right thinking, this is the helmet, the power of the helmet of salvation. This is the thinking. If you have, it is very powerful to protect your thoughts. And you remember? No. Okay, then move to the front. Okay, go to the back. Uh, salvation. Wow, black book notes. Very good. Yes, very good. Please. Salvation is not about asking for things, but what God wants for me. It is what God wants for me. Wants for me. Um, okay, what's another way of putting it? Joel, do you remember? You were here. Uh, we are slaves very good word slaves God God save us from slavery and then God save us God used the word what? we what? redemption Redemption. like slaves after slaves are redeemed they are they what? they? they are free and now they what to the master? they? they give their life they belong to their master alright? it's about we are slaves we are just the Lord's slaves we, are his, we belong to him. When, we are, when our thought is, I belong to Christ, I have no will of my own, he used me as he wish. if he uses me, if what he chooses for me will glorify him, that is good for me. Can you accept that? Um, maybe I ask um, next person, CP, eh? no, come that way, Elaine. Can you accept that if one day um, something very bad happened in your life, in the eyes of men, that that is meant for the glory of God. Can you accept that? Why? Why can? Why you can accept that? Mm, I know that God is good. You know that God is good, alright? Shield of faith. And he, will always provide for you he will always provide for you, but in the end, He didn't provide for you. How? It's still good because you trust that God knows His best. Place. It's still good because God knows what is best, but it doesn't look best for me. How? How would you think? I am nobody. All right. So someone also said the word that's stuck in the person's mind is, "I'm nobody." I'm nobody. I am just a slave. I'm nobody. I should be in where? I should be in hell. I should be in hell. I deserve hell. But God came and died, and then picked me up, washed me with his own blood, and saved me. I am still nobody. But that, because I know I'm nobody, and he saved me, I should be in hell, then anything that, Lord, you intend to use me for, I am very glad to be that. Understand? So this is what Peter must know. When the Lord says, Peter, you are going to die this death, he just saw Christ crucified recently. He just saw what Christ went through recently. And Christ said, that is what is going to happen to you. But this time, Peter didn't talk too much. Peter just, he has learned. He has learned. Lord, I am nothing. If that is what you choose for me and that will glorify you, I gladly want to be that. I gladly want to be that. That is why I told you, in history, it is mentioned, many, place, many people trace that Peter, when he was crucified, say, I don't deserve to die like my saviour upright. Please crucify me upside down. To him, he is so happy to receive anything that will glorify God. Okay? Now, let me ask you, huh? in the house, okay those students, um, wait, who's the next one? Uh, Susan. You know, not a student. Okay, this will have this will be a present in your house too. Do you have fork and spoons in your house? No. Okay. Do you have um, nice um, pictures or vases or ornaments that your parents display for display? Some, right? Pictures or something. You have nice things. Do you have a nice sofa? All right. Then you open your cupboard. You have you have nice clothes. All right. Now, do you have nice smell in your house? Now what would be bad smell in your house after some time if you don't have? When you don't have something in the toilet, when you don't have toilet brush. If you don't wash your toilet, it's going to be very bad for your house, right? Right or not? Are toilet brush important? All right. Who chose that the toilet brush will be a toilet brush? You, right? I'm sure you don't use a toothbrush to go. Alright, I shall use toothbrush. No, right? Toilet brush. Is a toilet brush important to your house? Suddenly you realize it is. Do you know where it is? <laughs> yeah, okay. So it means you do you do know where you do wash the toilet. Everything that God ordained in the house, in his house, is for a purpose. And everything serves a very important purpose to God. Alright? All right. so even when, when Apostle Paul mentioned the body, he said different parts are important. Everybody may want to be the eye, the hand, the feet, all the nice things. But there are parts in your body that God ordained that you, don't, you are ashamed of, you don't want people to see. But God says if you don't have that, your body will be in trouble, right? So everything, as long as God chose for us, I am serving the purpose of God, it is good for me. Can we learn that today? As long as I am serving the purpose of God in His kingdom. This is the best thing for me. I am so happy because I am safe to glorify Him. If you choose me in this, for this to glorify Him, this is what I want for my life. Alright, so I hope that this would stick in our hearts and mind. Now, I still haven't finished. Wow, so few people remember the helmet of salvation okay if you if you want a very powerful thought a very powerful understanding of our life is the helmet of salvation if this thought is protected in you God says Satan you have the power of God and Satan can't can disturb you that is I I'm God's slave Or I'm God's, I'm nobody. Or I'm redeemed. Redeemed. And all this is, God chose me to perform a task that will glorify Him. If you're willing to accept that in your life, you will not fall. That's the power of salvation. That is why it's called the helmet of salvation. Because this is the purpose of salvation. If that is in your thought, Satan will say, who's next? A CP. Satan will say, CP, you know, when you graduate and then you, you, you got your degree, um, but CP, you know, uh, don't go back to Malaysia, work here. Then you can't find a job here. Then you have to go back to Malaysia. And say, CP, see, God doesn't love you. Right? God doesn't love you. You want to stay in Perth? It should be wherever God wants you to. You mean you don't have no desire of your own? Actually, right now, no. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, right now, no. You see, the power of, of the helmet of salvation is as long as it glorifies God, God saved me, as long as this thing that God chose for my life glorifies Him, fine, no problem. At all, with me. It is so powerful because you will never doubt God. You will never resist God. Whatever God or didn't, you will just submit to it. You know what happens? Why Christian fall? Christians fall when God has a will for our life and we don't like it, we resist it, and we die, die, want to do something else. That is when everything will go wrong in your life. God doesn't want you to marry an unbeliever. No, but I want, I like, I want, I want. But God says No. But you do that, you go against what God wills for you as a believer. God already said, you marry an unbeliever, they will draw you away from him for your own good. But you resist, everything will go wrong. All right, so, why is the helmet of salvation, why is this thought, Christ just said, you are going to die like that. And Peter just said, okay, and he said, follow me. That's it. No arguments this time. Why is it so powerful? Satan can now whisper to Peter. Peter, God don't loves you. God, Jesus don't love you. Because you deny Jesus three times, now he want you to die like him. All sorts of thoughts will go through your mind. Whatever he whispers, all in your mind is, it's okay, that is what God chose for me. Fine. That's it. I move on with him. I follow him. That's it. No arguments. So when the Christian come to that state, I am nobody, I'm just a slave, redeemed, I really should be in hell. Um, Well, I I went through a stage where I was in the hospital, alright? I had um, cancer, and then when God just simply just solved it, and then I'm out of the hospital, every time I see a person that has cancer, every time I visit someone that has cancer, I always think I should be in the bed, like that person. Cannot move, cannot eat, and all that. I should be in that person's place. But the Lord chose to deliver me from it, and therefore now this life, I should be there, now this life is for him to use. Understand? Then you take that to, I should be in hell. I should be in hell. But God did not, God saved me and I won't go to hell. Therefore this life is redeemed for him. Use me as you please, Lord. You don't go to the supermarket and then you pick up the toilet brush and then the toilet brush keep arguing with you. I don't want to be a toilet brush. I want to be a hairbrush. <laughs> you just use it. There's meant for it. That is a good purpose. Alright, so now, but here I want us to, so that is very powerful. Young person at this age, Elim, Anna, Phoebe included, Enoch, Caleb, every young age, I am nothing I'm so thankful God saved me. God, just use me as you wish. All right? I hope that grows in you. Now, but there is this part. You notice that I drew two arrows. I drew two arrows because I don't want this to go wrong also. So whatever God ordained is good. What is good for me? Okay, last, last time, then I move on promise I'll move on. Hey, to, hey, to the front. Okay. Well, very honest. Alright. Brenda. Re- let's define f- once and for all. What is good for Brenda? If God, for if God ordains it for his glory, it's good for Brenda. Notice I didn't say it's good for God. It's good for Brenda. Because that is exactly... Why God saved you. Before He saved you, He already designed that Brenda, this is what I save you for, and that is what you are going to glorify me in. It is your greatest privilege in life. It's your, it's your privilege. What is good for Shenwei? What is good for Shen Wei? Whatever God ordains for your life. That is good. Okay? Please don't think good means God give me what I want. Peter cannot argue, God, can I not go to the cross? Can I die in in another way? Can I die like an old man, peaceful? Peter never argued at all. He never argued at all. So that is the definition. What is good for me is whatever God ordains for my life. But that is another part. So, what happens if you sin, you refuse? You keep sinning, keep sinning, keep sinning, refusing to return to the Lord and live the life that you want to live, okay? All right, come to Jemima. So, say a Christian friend, just keep living in sin, refuse to obey God, love the world, life of the world and then become more and more worldly now. And then becomes a, becomes a brain surgeon, uh, becomes a... Uh, whatever a famous person in the world alright can we say that God ordained for this person this life and it is glorifying him um, it's, it might not be glorifying God. okay so so it might not be glorifying God but it's a famous person everybody know wow so and so wow he's a Christian you know it's a famous I don't know musician famous pianist Wow, famous pianist. Wow, Christian and famous pianist. Glorifies God. Yeah, but they might not be living a life that is drawing closer to God. They may not be living a life that is drawing closer to God. But first of all, does this glorify God? He's famous. Depends. Depends. Okay. okay. Famous for Famous, very good at playing. Like, like twenty fingers, you know, really. good. Worldly fame, very good. Worldly fame. Now, please separate what God ordains. Fame does not equate glorify God. Understand that. If we live a disobedient life, if God ordains that Peter die this way, if God ordains that Peter have a life that is difficult and it's a shameful death. That glorifies God. Okay? Fame does not equal that God has ordained and this life and glorify me. So, you brought up a good example. Now, if a person becomes all this, very famous, very famous, but doesn't come to church, doesn't study God's word, or maybe just come on Sunday, doesn't serve the Lord, has no interest in spiritual things, his family or her family is in a mess, spiritually they don't love the Lord, they love the world, yeah, they come to church and then they just can't wait to rush off, that kind of thing. Okay? Do you think that is a life that is spiritual, a life that is safe to live a sanctified life, it's called the helmet of salvation, right? No. Right? No. So, when we see a person's life that is backslided, unspiritual, uh, loving the world, but very successful in the world, please don't say, wow, God ordained a good life for him and he is glorifying God. This part is the part that glorifies God, understand that. Our sanctified life is what glorifies God. Okay? But now ask the next person. Okay, come back. Phoebe, you want to try? Phoebe? Now, does it mean being a brain surgeon and a famous pianist is evil? Doesn't mean that. Right? Now, if God ordained that this is what you are, then it does not, it is not sinful. So please don't think that we are teaching you cannot be anything in this world. You must be, you must be, you must be nobody in this world. We're we are not saying that. Alright? But if God did not ordain, please don't pursue that and pursue that at the expense of your Christian walk. Okay? So this is always the test. This is always the test. It's not what degree you come out of university with. It's not what you're going to work in the world as, what is on your name card. That is not the test of, has God ordained this for me to glorify Him? That's why in this church, I do not ask you. I rarely ask adults, what do you work as? What's your job? What's your position? I don't tell people what I used to do also. Because once we, we become a church like that, we think that worldly success is important, then we lose this. Whatever God ordained for me. If God ordained... Shane, what, what are you studying? Is this a trick question? <laughs> is this a trick question? Alright, don't pick you. Alright, so so Mr. X, what do you study? Oh, I'm studying to be... Uh, uh, I'm studying to be a a cook hmm? a cook uh, why what, what are you studying oh I'm studying to be a, a lawyer does it make any difference in a church to a person you should not whatever God has ordained for the person to study you know that is what it is so please do not do not equate glorifying God with success in this life, but if God ordains that you'll be a successful surgeon, doctor, lawyer, pianist, cook, whatever, then that is fine. But how do we know? It's always here? What is your life when you're doing that? OK? Now, so that's some summary of, of what I want to say. Now, can we look at question Wait, number two, why is it in, question number one? Why is it important that we must understand the difference between fate? And God has ordained all things sovereignly in our life. Why is it important to understand the difference? Elim? Oh no, Jennifer. Why is it important to understand the difference? A bit difficult? A bit difficult. Jennifer? Veronica, yeah. anything to whis- uh, Vern, anything whisper to her this time? No, all right. It's very important we know the difference because one is God. Is the one working. Faith is the Christian living a life like as if God has no hand in his life. Faith is living as if well, if something is bad, then this is faith. No, it's God ordained to glorify him. Okay? So when something that happens to you, you say God has ordained this to glorify him. Don't say I oh, yeah, my faith is like that. Huh? Huh? My faith is to be stupid. You don't study, that's not your faith, right? That's your fault. Now, we move to the next one. Alright, next, next part, question number 2. Now, from John 2, 18 and 19, from John 2, 18 and 19, we learn that God is most glorified when I... Okay, John 2, 18 and 19. Let's, let's look at John 2, 18 and 19. John 21, 18 and 19. Okay, God is most glorified when I... So, after all this talk for the last 20 minutes... God is most glorified when I, okay, I think this one might be quite difficult. Okay, Anna, you want to try? Elim, you want to try? God is most glorified when I, difficult. Anna? God is most glorified when I, not sure. When I am a good testimony. Very good. God is most glorified when I'm a good testimony. Very good. Try further. Alright, so these are good statements. Caleb, God is most... Eh, no, your brother. You know, God is most glorified when I? When I preach the gospel, okay. When I preach the gospel, then people know God. But if you preach the wrong gospel, will God be glorified? Because people know the wrong God. Caleb, God is most glorified when I? Mm -hmm. When I die. (laughs) Okay. God is most glorified when I die. What do you mean by that? Because Peter went to the cross. By what what he death, he should glorify God. Yeah, it involves up to the point of death. Alright, I know you're, I think I know what you're saying. Up to the point of death. Alright, Joshua. God is most glorified when I follow him. Um, uh, not that yet. Haven't reached that point. Uh, Josiah. God is most glorified when I. Achieve, when I achieve something. Then you go back here, you know? Depends on what is the some, something. Something for? To be like grades so or like in your workplace that. To be what? Sorry? Maybe like in school. Grade. In school to have good grades. At work to be a to be a good worker. Does good grades naturally glorify God? Do you think? Well you have to show for example of how you got a like, barely, Okay. You study and work hard. That we show good example as Christian. I study and I work hard. And grades is one of the one of the tests. Now, so students think carefully. Does good grades always glorify God? Shane. Does bad grades glorify God? Um, yes, sir. It like, uh, it's how you got the grade. It's how you got the grade. If you fail, if you fail, you have bad grades. If you fail because, um, because you're a Christian. Teacher don't like you, so always fail you. I hope there's no such thing. Does it mean you glorify, glorify, did not glorify God? No. But a Christian should not think bad grades glorify God. A Christian should not think, I'm lazy, I don't do much and then I don't get good results. Anyway, grades don't glorify God. If you got good grades, and if you got good grades because you ignore your walk with the Lord, in order to get good grades, that does not glorify God. It's your Christian walk that glorifies God, okay? Alright? So, Josiah Josiah is right. I must study hard. I must do well. And I want to do well to glorify God. But, I will not study to the point where work so hard at the office where I get promotion and I'm like the younger CEO. But, my Christian life is absent. That does not glorify God. Alright? That clarifies Josiah, alright? Okay? So, Where was I? God is most glorified when I... Justin? When I suffer for His namesake, when I'm willing to suffer for His namesake. Okay, very good. You must say suffer for His namesake. Please don't suffer because of your sin. Please don't suffer because you're lazy. Please don't suffer because you lie. Please don't suffer because you steal. Alright? For His namesake means you live. What God wants you to do, you do, and then you suffer. Okay, last one. Uh... Bencho. God is most glorified when I? Submit to His will. Very good. When I submit to His will. Submit to His will. Alright? It's going to come to all this uh, afterwards. You want to try, Aaron? God is most, most glorified in my life when I? When I seek Him. Okay? Now, based on this context. Based on this context would be when I? Submit to his will, right? Why do you think God told Peter all this? Is to let Peter know this is what's going to happen. Peter, are you going to resist? Peter, are you going to go to hiding? Can Peter avoid all this? Let me ask, um, Sippy, can Peter avoid all this? Okay, Peter told Peter was told you're going to die by crucifixion. Can Peter avoid it? Since it's uh, he can, in a sense, he can choose not to. Yeah, one way is he can say, "I don't preach the gospel." If I don't feed your sheep, Peter will know, right? I feed your sheep, then I will be crucified. They will hate me, right? If I don't, if I don't go into the calling of of feeding your sheep, then I have a chance of escaping, escaping crucifixion, right, right. But God will chastise, will so bring him back. But he can, try to, he can try to resist. But he did not resist. He submitted to God's will. Now, this is the other thing that we want to learn from this whole conversation between Christ and Peter. Because after this, God is going to talk about... God is just going to say two words to Peter. Just two words to Peter. Now... Submit to God's will. No matter what God reveals, you say, Lord, I submit to your will. Has God revealed His will to you for your life? Uh, Susan, God told Peter, Peter, you're going to die by crucifixion. Has God revealed His will to you in your life? Not in that way. In what way then? Um, know we know his preceptive will. We know his known will. We know his known will. God's will is that you be holy. Correct? Is that so cryptic? Anyone don't know that God say my will is for you to be sanctified? Be holy for I am holy. That's God's will. God's will is for you to pray. His will is for you to pray. His will is for you to give thanks. The, all His known will, alright? Submitting to God's will is not, oh, you're going to tell me these terrible things, then okay, I submit. Anything that God tells us, we just submit. That glorifies God. So Peter had the ultimate test given to him. Peter can run away. Peter can run away. Hey, but I just want to clarify, eh? What happens if God, you, you finish your degree and then you become a professional and then God calls you to full-time service? What would you, how would you respond? Who was next, sir? Hazel, right? How would you respond? So you finish and then you go back to Singapore and then they give you a job and then you were rising very fast and then God calls you to full-time service. Obey God's will. You you will just submit to His will, right? What happens, so a lot of people read this and say, oh, like Peter, I must be willing to go full-time. But that's the opposite also. Some people aspire to be successful professionals. I realize that when I am in the ministry, I meet people who aspire to be ministers of the word. They aspire to be ministers of the word. They aspire to be in a full-time ministry. Remember, God's will doesn't mean full-time ministry. Doesn't mean not full-time ministry. Please know that. Peter was called to be an apostle. Peter was called to this life of crucifixion. John was called to a different life. Was John called to crucifixion? The apostle John died, as far as we know, he's the last one who died. Alright? The last one who died. That's it. Alright. Full time, not full time, depends on God's will. Alright? So I tell you sometimes in Bible college, we have lectures say trying to tell the student, you are not called, because it's very clear in their life. You are not called. Can you please stop and leave? And leave and go and work. There's no shame to work in the world, all right. But they want so much. It could be father was pastor, so they want to be pastor. It could be whatever reasons, all right. So please don't take this God's will means means it's it's always this kind of thing, all right. So just be clear. I just want to make clear. Now, so now why did I ask you repeatedly? Maybe I try one last one. Who's the next one? Um, Hazel. Eh, no, uh, Elaine. Um, now, Elaine. Question number two, God is most glorified when I? From this context? Obey his will, obey his will, right? Submit to his will, obey his will, and so on. Now, from this context, why I bring this up is I mentioned on Sunday, right? There is a very popular Christianity that is flooding Christian books, flooding the thoughts of Christians. In fact, I think one of the sessions, I was thinking this afternoon, I will cover in Youth 180 just specifically that topic. It's called Christian Christian Hedonism. It's very, very popular now. When people write books, you read it's one form or another, it's everywhere. It's crept into mainstream Christianity. Until you are very clear in your heart and mind, it's very dangerous. Because this opposes everything that Christ said to Peter here. Especially what Christ is going to say to Peter next. Alright, so Christian hedonism. Now, so it's simply about God is most glorified when I submit to His will. Not God is most glorified. Christian hedonism is God is most glorified when? When I'm most satisfied with Him. Sounds very nice. Sounds very catchy. God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied with Him. It's everywhere now. No, God is most glorified when I submit to His will. Whether I like, I don't like, but I will submit to His will yet joyfully. Alright? So, we'll come to that one day. But for now, then, so please... Be clear in our mind. Now, then now the Lord says, look at verse 19. We finally can move on to the next part, alright? Now, after he said, Peter, this is how you will die. This is how you will die. And when he had spoken this, in verse 19, he saith unto him, Follow me. Follow me. Just two words. Just two words. Follow me. We're going to study this now. Follow me. So, you imagine them, they were eating breakfast, correct? Young ones, they were eating breakfast, correct? So the Lord just asked Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me? And Peter answered him. And then he told Peter how he's going to die. And when he told Peter how he's going to die, how he's going to glorify him, then Christ, very likely from the context, Christ probably got up and said, right, follow me. And then Peter followed. Right? Right? And now, this is obviously not just about following Christ, as in Christ wants to take a walk, Peter just follow. Now he will say, "All right, Peter, I've told you how you're going to die. Are you going to will be willing to be an apostle, preach the gospel, and would die like that?" Then he says, "Follow me. Follow me. Be followers of me." So I ask this question, question number three: What does it mean? What does following Christ mean? What do you think it means? What does following Christ mean? Wait, who's next? What does following Christ mean? Christ said, follow me. So we read many times the gospel, follow me. Follow me, forsake all else and and what? And obey him. Now this is tied to, again what? Submission to his will, correct? I'm nobody. God, you want me to be like that? Okay, I just follow. Military man. Who follows who? Recruit follow you or you follow recruit? Recruit follow you. Right? The lower rank follow the higher rank. Right? So he's a master. He's a master. So we follow the master. You're nobody. I tell you follow, you just follow. Right? That's it. Follow me. I'm nobody, I'll just follow. I forsake. You cannot follow. Okay, we come to all those. So, there's one. Okay, good thought. What's the next one? Who's the next one? Jemima. What comes to mind when Christ, whenever you read in scriptures, Christ say, follow me. What will come to your mind? Obey his, obey his commandments. Okay, so still I obey his commandments. Phoebe, follow me. What does it mean? What comes to your heart? Jesus said, Phoebe, follow me. What comes to your mind? Nothing at this point. Jennifer? Okay, all that obey. Alright, so anyone have something else than obey? Which is good, correct. Follow me, obey. To be like Christ? To be like Christ? Why do you say that? Follow my example. Follow my example. Just like when I died on the cross. You're going to die on the cross. Are you going to run away? Or are you going to follow my example? Christ went to the cross because He submitted to whose will? Caleb. Christ went to the cross because He submitted to whose will? God. The Father's will. Right? Just like I submit to the Father's will even unto death. Peter, follow me. Unto death, you be like me. Alright? So just obey the example of Christ in our life. Very good. What others? So Christ just tell you, follow me. What else? Shane, follow me. Very good. Love. is about devotion. Be devoted. <coughs> You only follow someone and you follow heart after someone because you're devoted to the person. Following has to do with devotion. Right? Just by saying, follow me, it's a be devoted follower of me. The disciples were very devoted to their Savior. Right? Single-minded devotion. Devotion. all right. What else? One more. So it's all these things. You want to follow, you must obey, you must be devoted to, love him, and... Be like him and it is to serve him. It's not follow, follow to go shopping. It's to serve him. When you say follow me, it's not just keep following me everywhere. The follower of gods, they follow the gods to worship and to serve him. So it's to worship and serve. All right, serve and worship him. This is what it means. Followers of any religion, they are declaring I'm a worshipper, and, as, and I will serve this God. Understand that? So when Christ said, follow me, worship me, and serve me only. Alright, so all these thoughts will... will uh, of course, there are other thoughts, but all this must be in your mind. I'm a follower of Christ. Caleb, um, Enoch. When you say, I am a follower, are you a follower of Christ, Caleb, uh, Enoch? Are you a follower of Christ? Or are you a follower of your friends in school? No. So when a follower of Christ, what do follower of Christ do? They give me one example. Um, obey. They obey, all right? They obey. They be like their, their their master. They're devoted to him. They worship him. They serve him. All right? So you say I'm a follower of Christ. This must be all in your heart. I'm a follower of Christ. How can this happen in your life? Will this happen in your life? When Christ says, follow me, he don't have to say too much anymore to Peter. Because he has already said this to the disciples many times. Do you remember when he says, what did he say about follow me? Anyone? Wait, next. Uh, uh, um, Anna, have Christ told the disciples, follow me? Have he told them before? And he say, if any man follow me, if any man want to follow me, what must happen? Do you remember? No. Elim? If any man? The question is, Jesus have told his disciples to follow him before a few times. But I say, to follow me, what must you what must what are the prerequisites? Say again? Can't hear you. You, lose a lot of stuff. you will lose a lot of stuff. What kind of stuff? Family. You lose family, friends, yep, yeah. there's one part that says that. Um, you may, you may, all right, you may. Not you will, always, you may. Okay, quickly, anyone? Um, wait, at the back. Justin. I'm asking question number four. What does, what have Jesus said about the prerequisites to following him? So Christ said, follow me, right? So now tonight we say, follow, let's follow Christ. But what's the prerequisite? Christ explained to them a few times. Okay, where's the verse? Okay, we can use for example, Luke, but let's use Matthew. Matthew 16. It's the same, same, same. So Matthew 16, 24. Wow, you already turned to the passage. That's good. Matthew 16, 24. So follow me. Christ told them many times already. Uh, Matthew 16, shall we read 24? Matthew 16, 24 to 28. 1, to reading... Wait, Twenty. One, two, reading. Then Jesus said unto his disciples... Ah, sorry, sorry. Can we read for context verse 23? Verse 23, one, two, reading. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou severest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall, will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now here in verse 24, Christ just scolded Peter, correct? Get thee behind me, Satan. He just scolded Peter. And then after that, he said to the disciples, to everyone. So he just scolded Peter. Imagine Peter is standing here. He just scolded, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? You sever the things of men, not of God. Then after that, he looked at all the disciples. If any man will follow me. It is a follow-up context, understand that. Peter just just got scolded. What did Peter got scolded for? Who's next? Sir? Uh, who's next? Uh, Bencho. What did Peter, what was Peter scolded for? Uh, he, asked not he asked Christ what? He told Christ don't go to the cross. Don't go to the cross, right? Don't go to the cross. And what was Christ's answer, what was Christ saying to him exactly? Aaron, why did he scold Peter so so strongly? You are, you are, your Satan, your adversary, your offense to me. Why? Because you sever what is, what is he saying to Peter? Why did Peter get scolded? In verse 23. You sever the things of man, not of God. You're always thinking of things related to this life. Physical things. Don't go to cross, don't die. If you die, then we have no master. Then we have no follow, we we can't follow you. Then um, who's going to teach us? Who's going to protect us? Who's going to do miracles? He's thinking of all these physical things. And he said, you always think of these physical things not of what God wants. Who wants him to go to the cross? Christ, uh, Father, the Father, right? For so The Father wants me to go, but you're like that. So after that, then he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. It's the same conversation. Do you understand? In John chapter 21, he just told him, Peter, now please stop severing the things of man. Huh? Peter, you will die by crucifixion. All right, Peter? Remember the last time I just at you? And then after that, I said, I told people how to follow me. Now he said, You follow me. Do you understand? All right, so it's a revisit of all these conversations with Peter, and Peter would know in his heart. So now, what have Jesus said about prerequisites? How many prerequisites? Uh, the next one um, uh, Jeremy. If any man will come after. So this is Jesus. If any man will come after Jesus. I don't know, come after, running. If any man will come after Jesus, what are the prerequisites? You're lost. Prerequisite. Not outcome. Okay. Prerequisite. Not outcome. Prerequisite. Verse 24. If any man will come after me, deny himself what's the next one? Take up up the cross. Okay, now if any man want to come after Christ, these are the prerequisites. Do you want to come after Christ? Do you want, when Christ says, follow me, do you know what is going to be the barriers to you following Christ? You've been a Christian for a long time. Do you ever wonder why my following of Christ is so weak? Do you ever wonder why my following of Christ is is so frail, is so so fluctuating? Christ has already told them many times. And Peter, he just scolded him and now he says again, Peter, this time I say follow me, you should know what it means, right? I've told you before, I scolded you before that. Number one, deny himself. Okay, so now I ask. So you want to follow Christ? These are the prerequisites. You want to have a life? that will follow hard after Christ. To the point you're willing to go to the cross, if he wants you to go to the cross. Number one, deny himself. So now I ask the question. What does each prerequisite mean? Who's next? Back to the uh, next. Joe, what does deny himself mean? Realize. You are nobody. Deny Re- nobody means I'm. Okay, now it goes a bit further. I'm not only nobody. I, okay, I'm. A sinner saved by grace. Saved by grace. Okay, that is, we know who we are. Okay, quite close. What else? Um, Kenny? Deny yourself, Kenny. Okay. Um, God use. Give myself for God' use. Okay, so now we're using all those answers we've learned. Okay, now is now is why why um, why is this not happening? Uh, Nick, Julia, you wanna try? What does the meaning deny yourself? You look at your husband, husband, deny yourself. What are you asking him to do? Die to die. Die. <laughs> die to self. Now, please know, it's uh, deny himself. Uh, it's about you. You want to follow Christ? You want to love him with great devotion? You want to be willing to even die for him, that at the end of your life you're like Peter? God says, first, the sequence is first, deny yourself, die to self, die to self. Deny self means self talks to you. You say self, I deny any attention to you. Your request is denied, right? Deny yourself. So it's like you're talking to yourself. Sir, can I do this? No, permission not granted. Request denied. Right, not allowed. Your deny self means your your body, your flesh. Say, I like, I want to to taste, to experience. But then the flesh wants that, and you know that is sin. There's nothing wrong if your flesh say, I feel like eating chocolate this 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 Saturday. Doesn't mean you must deny everything. But if to go and eat Chakwe means you're going to skip Bible study and all that just because, then yes, you must say, I deny you. Right? Deny self. But other things. After I ask you for examples in your life what you should deny. So I. Now, the meaning of deny is this huh? the meaning of deny is to disown self. Okay, or die. Die is stronger. Disown self. Means, self, I disown you. You have no more part of me. Okay? So I like these definitions that that the the Bible dictionary gives. Um, Have no acquaintance. Have no acquaintance. You know it's no acquaintance? I don't know who you are anymore. When self talks to you, talk to my hand. I don't know you anymore. I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. Please leave me alone. I said, but I, I am Joseph, you know. No, no, I disowned you already. I disowned you already. I'm not going to have this conversation with you. When you want, when you want to sin, when you want me to sin, when, you want to, when, when flesh, you want me to do this, go there, and have this, I'm not listening to you anymore. So Christ say, if you want to follow him, first thing you must know is, this own self, die to self, I don't know you anymore. The old life is over, the old man is over. Please don't talk to me about anything. When you go back tonight and the old flesh, the desire, sin, say, watch this, do that, listen to that. Say, flesh, I just learned tonight, if I want to follow Christ till I die, I need to first thing, tell you, please, get out of my life, I disown you, I don't know you anymore, I'm dead, you're dead to me. He will keep trying to come back, okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about this frightening spirit that keeps coming back, alright? But the flesh will keep coming back, that's why God says you must deny what? Deny what? Deny self, himself, it is the self that is the problem, the, the ego, the self. It is not the thing. Understand that. The problem is self. Until you die to self. Self is very, very big in our hearts. Alright? So, first thing is that. Um, So, other things. Okay? And the final definition they give, which is very good. Um, Forget one's own interests. forget my own interests. I have yeah forget one's own interest. I think if you summarize all this, I think you can say I have no will of my own anymore. I have no will of my own anymore. Does it go back to the same principle? The same principle of what? I am nobody. I'm nothing. I have no will. God, whatever is your will, and if it glorifies you, that's my will now. That's why Christ said, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish it. It's self-denial. So Christ himself exercised self-denial. All right, so all these thoughts. So when you say deny self, these are the thoughts. Now, I ask the second part. Now, can you give example of self-denial? Self-denial? So, this is the fun part. So, now we know the meaning. Oh, man, oh, self, you are dead. I disown you. I have no self-interest. I have no will of my own. Now, when you deny self, you will follow your Lord very closely. Any example of denying self Bit where, come to front, uh, we'll go on this way, I- Elaine, denying self, example, um, or work, or? work, what do you mean by work? Isn't work important? Um, I like work, as as but... uh, work as much as possible to earn as much money as possible That's what my flesh wants. The flesh wants money? The flesh wants what money can buy. (laughs) Well, some some want money. They just keep money in the bank. Keep, keep, keep. keep. But (laughs) usually, I guess people want money so they can buy things that they want. Alright? So, yes, I would deny myself of that. Example is, people who want to work on Sundays. Sunday is double pay, right? Sunday is double pay. Sunday is... um, now, there are, we already said there are some jobs that you have to work on Sunday. Works of mercy, doctors, firemen, um, nurses, that kind of thing. They're different. But I also know of nurses who say, Oh, okay, yeah, works of mercy. So purposely keep switching duty with their friends on Sunday. <laughs> right? So deny self. Yeah, sometimes it's that. What else? Next, uh, Hazel, deny self. What's the most difficult Study for good grades for the sake of good grades. Alright, studying for the sake of good grades. Give an example. I have to deny myself of good (laughs) grades. It's not so much denying self of good grades, correct? It's denying something. Give an example. How you deny yourself in this area. Though I will put God first, I won't neglect uh, spiritual things for the sake of study. What is an example? Now, by and large, God gives us intelligence. All right? You can keep studying. Okay. So, for example, some students are A students. Some students are, if they do normal, they are B students. If they do normal, they are C students. Some do normal are A students. God gives us different level of uh, ability. Right? You deny yourself when I know I'm a B student if I do normal but if I don't go and study God's Word, don't take FEBC courses, don't come and pray for the church and for each other which God commands, uh, God, God desires and then um, I, I neglect Christian fellowship and all those things. If I don't do that, I will have maybe about 6 to 7 or 8 hours more a week. And because I'm a B student, if I use the six hours, eight hours, I, I can become an A student, right? Now we have to then deny self. It's always nothing wrong. It's nothing wrong. I hope all of you are A students. Why should you? How should you pray? Lord, make me very smart. Shane, why do you pray? Lord, make me very smart. Uh, we pray huh? <laughs> Not trick, uh. God make me. Why say why? Why do you pray that? <coughs> You didn't pray that? I wouldn't pray that? You wouldn't pray that? Oh, I advise you to pray that more. <laughs> why would you pray that? Uh, hey, sorry, I jumped. Susan, why should you pray, Lord, please make me very smart? Just... Yes. <laughs> just praying that God will make me very smart. Yes. Why, why would you want to pray that? Okay, out of so for, often we pray out of pride. But would you pray that, Aaron? Would you pray that God make me very smart? No. I advise you to pray that. Okay, CP wants to pray. That. Why? So we can pray so that we uh, wouldn't be or there's no when So that I won't be tempted to 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 spend more time studying. Pray God make me very smart. Not to get A's. Lord make me very smart so that I can finish my homework very fast, do it very well, get it done with, then I can do my devotion, um, go go for evangelism, serve you, do all these things. I always pray that at work. God make me a very, very, very smart worker. Because I want to finish all this faster and I can go to church. I want to finish all this before 5 o'clock so that I can go to church. That kind of thing. Alright, so you pray, Lord make me very capable. Not to get A, not to do well, not for people to admire, so that I have as much time as possible to go and serve you, study about you. Enoch, is that why you want to study be smart? So that you have more time to serve God, study about Him. Okay? So yes, we should want that, but for the right purpose. Okay, so, yeah, so we deny ourselves of things that are there. What else at your age, uh, CP, what else do you need to be denied of? They find it difficult? Very good. A few things in your life, at your stage in this life. These are the challenges. Number one, studies. Uh, for the working person, money. For the students, for the students, what did Auntie, uh, they, uh, uh, what did uh, CP just say? Okay, uh, your age, the age difference is anti. Yeah. Remember Auntie cp said? What is the problem? What is the other thing you need to sometimes deny yourself of? Starts with F. You're not listening to them. Remember HBP. Say again. Friendships. Sometimes some friendships to follow Christ you need to deny yourself of because some friendships will draw you away from Christ all right so sometimes those friendships that's what we covered with you all at HBP right holiday bible program some at your age friendships can be a great hindrance to you following Christ all right what kind of friends wonder or worldly friends, worldly friends, right? what other kind of friends? Can Christian friends be bad friends? Friends that don't edify. That don't edify. <laughs> Even Christians can be, some Christian friendships are not good, they don't edify. right? So that's a good example. So we have to make sure we are not such friends. and doesn't mean that in church means everyone is good. Um, some church Christians are not edifying you. So then, the same. So friendships are very difficult at your age, right? Is it true? No. Jemima, you haven't started uh, uni yet, right? So maybe not, not so much. But eventually, when you start school, suddenly a lot of friends who you spend time with, what you do, Those that are working, will you start struggle with that? Same, right? So we were talking, right? Jeremy, we were just talking on, after prayer meeting on Tuesday night, one of the great fear of a Christian, um, like like Ben also, all the old associates, old friends, that used to draw us away from Christ, when we go back to our country, when we go back to work, how they will come and, once again, draw us back to the old life. And then you say, old man, I disown you already. There's a new life, a new change. Different. I remember when I first became saved, this was one thing that I knew I must deny myself of. I was around your age. I was sixteen. Are you 16? Around then. <laughs> about sixteen? Around that. We were sixteen, At sixteen. I have friends that were, they're not terrible worldly friends, but people of different religion, different beliefs, different superstitions. Um, well, they were like the things of the world, naturally. They're unbelievers. And I know that the first thing that I needed to deny myself of was we... There were three or four of us were like very close. Right? You find one, you will find the rest of us. We are always together. But I realized that the things we talk about, the places we go, it's just not, nothing spiritual anymore. And I knew that I had to deny myself of that. Change now to new friends. Make effort to make new friends in church. Change my friendships. Same when you go back. Then you have to find Christian friends. Christian church friends. And those, they will have to go. It's very difficult. Is it difficult? Quite painful. Alright. Anyone disagree? Anyone disagree? Because some say, Wow, what kind of religion is this? Give up friends. Friends are the most important thing in your life. They are the right friends. Now you have different friends, okay? So friendship is one. What else? What's another one that you need to deny yourself of? Anything that draws our heart and attention and love and devotion. our Anything that will cause us to not obey the Lord. cool Remember, I kept reading that quotation of Wesley's mother. Anything that cools our zeal for the Lord and serving Him, those things we must deny the flesh. They may even be legitimate things. Understand that. Anything that cools our zeal in our devotion to the Lord, you know that has now taken your place in following the Lord. You have begun to follow those things. It's time to deny yourself of that. Different people have different, different problems, correct? Do you agree? Do you agree? That's why it's this, uh, please look here. It is this. Welcome to read. Aaron, deny who? <coughs> himself. Self. The thing that you deny is self. Why himself? Because Shane will have something that he will struggle with that is different from Justin, from, from Joshua. Brenda will struggle with something different from Hazel, from Shen Ray. It's going to be different, understand? Each one of us is going to struggle with different things. That's why Christ say, now you have to know what is that. That is in yourself that you struggle with. Some could be friendship. Some, no friends, fine. I don't really care. Hmm? Some, not money. Some are not motivated by money. Working people. <coughs> Kenny, at your office. Is everyone motivated by money? <laughs> okay. Oh, Who's working? Ichung, eh? is everyone motiv- Really? Is everyone motivated by money at your workplace? No. Some are motivated by what? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe fun? <laughs> <laughs> They're motivated by fun? Ah. Oh, they really like their work so much. What do you mean by that? Working person? Motivated by very common in the army? By <laughs> Not motivated by other. <laughs> The bad motivation. Oh, Uh, oh, okay. The bad kind of motivation. Motivated by what? In the army. Uh, Starts with P. Power. (laughs) Okay, yeah, give up. (laughs) Which army do you go to? (laughs) Power. Position. Not money. Right? Different people. You're obviously not motivated by this. Don't think about this. Power. Some by power. Some by position. Not all by money. It's himself, different. Some struggle with BGR. Some don't. I can't stand boys. I can't stand girls. See, they're all smiling. Can't stand them. Why do you even like them? But some will struggle with that. It's himself. Everyone have different. And you must know your own one. You want to follow Christ. You must deny that. So, something that you need to deny may not be a struggle with someone else. Okay, so BGR is the next problem. At your age, who don't know what is BGR? Boy, uh, okay, enough, enough. Ask for other people. Boy, girl, relationship. Boy-girl relationships, relationships, boyfriend, girlfriends. Okay, do your friends have boyfriends and girlfriends in school? Not yet, right? Not yet. Anna, what about you? They are already having boyfriend and girlfriends. How old? 12 or 13 years old. When boyfriend and girlfriend means they want to hold hands, they want to act like like adult boyfriends and girlfriends. 12 or 13, Jennifer also. Really? You know when I was in Melbourne camp, I talk about this, all the people like, what, no? They say, no, they don't seem to have a problem. So it seemed to be a Perth problem. I was very shocked. They said no, no, the teenagers, the young ones, No, what boyfriend girlfriends? No, they don't have this problem in school. So a Perth problem then. (laughs) Say again? Say again? No. Alright, so BGR problem, very common. To some, they want to have a girlfriend, they want to have a boyfriend, very much. Very, very much. They see other people have, they want. And then they keep thinking of these things. Then they chase girls or they chase boys, right? When you're a student, we covered before, that is not the time. The time as a student is to study. The time as a student is to grow spiritually as much as possible, so that when you grow into adulthood, you're ready to enter relationships, okay? So all these kind of things, different. You must know your own. If you struggle with that, be very careful. Deny yourself in Bija. Give example. How to? Wait, who's next? Do you mind is it? No. Okay, now I start from back again. Aaron, deny yourself about boy-girl relationship. Give an example. A relationship with a non-Christian. Good example. All right? A relationship with a non-Christian. Well, in the first place as a student, the temptation is to have be to a boy-girl relationship. Don't. That is where it starts. You're going to deny yourself. Deny yourself. It's not the timing yet. All right? If God wants you to be married, it will happen. The person will come in your life. Typically, the courtship during school days, do they break up? They break up. <laughs> then you grin like that. Then they find another girlfriend or boyfriend. Then they break up again. Do they make up again? Sometimes. Sometimes. See <laughs> so all this makeup, break up, make up at the age. It is not the time to have a relationship, right? That's why you have all this kind of trauma in your life. And worst of all, many of them fall into fornication, right? That kind of problems. So, um, yes, so, number one, as a student, deny yourself of that. Number two, yes, when you're working, if it's a relationship with an unbeliever, very often people ask for counseling, pastor, Um, this unbeliever at work is pursuing me, asking me out, telling me that he wants to uh, date me, and all those things. What should I do? What should I do? No. Deny yourself. But he's a very nice person. You know, not a Christian, but better than Christians even. Very good character. Again, deny yourself. Remember about what it is about following Christ, all of you keep saying it's about obey, right? Obey. To obey him, we have to deny ourselves very often. Okay? Okay. So now I come to the guys. <coughs> deny yourself of what? You all know what it is. What? Nothing. I think gaming. Gaming is one problem. Where it becomes an addiction where you know that it takes up your time inappropriately. The games that you play, what is the content, right? Sinful, Um, all those things. So gaming is something that we have to deny. You want to follow your Lord, it starts there. Remember, the step is deny yourself. God says, please look at the verse. If any man would come after me, okay, Matthew 16, 24, Matthew 16, 24, Matthew 16, 24. Now, please note the sequence. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if if any, doesn't matter who, even the apostle, if any man will come after me, if you want to come after me to follow me, let him deny himself. That is the first step. Look here. Not here anymore. The first step, now follow is way down the road. Follow, Christ say before you even think of following me, all right, you come after me, right? You want to follow me, right? Right, Phoebe? Christ say you coming after me, you want to follow me, right? Now, Phoebe, before you even talk about following me, please know there are two things. If you don't fulfill these two things, you're not going to follow me. That is a sequence. First one is deny yourself. You don't deny yourself. You cannot follow Christ. You always wonder, why I keep falling? Why I keep going back? Because we don't deny ourselves. Without that first step, you can keep trying, you keep falling, you go backwards again try. You never move forward. You can't follow Christ. Alright? So, it begins there. So, gaming. What else? Guys, what else? Well, guys, very often friendships. Also, right? What else? Anyone? Caleb, what must you deny yourself of? Sleep. Yes. Really, why? I love to sleep. So much that I don't do my devotion. No. Alright, so sometimes even sleep. Should you deny yourself of sleep? You must have proper sleep. Alright, if you like to sleep 14 hours a day, there's something wrong. Alright, some students say, oh, Pastor, my problem is sleep. I said my problem is also sleep. My problem is I don't have enough sleep. <laughs> I my problem is I love to sleep and I got time to sleep. I said, don't you go to school? No, I can sleep. I can sleep and after that watch the video. Right, so live a disciplined life. Right, so sometimes even sleep. Caleb, why you must deny yourself of sleep? Please don't go back and tell daddy I must deny myself of sleep. I'm going to sleep one hour and play computer for the rest of the night. Why do you must you deny yourself of sleep? You can't wake yourself up. Now, at your age, maybe you need more sleep than adults. Right, so you must know whether it's a sinful desire or normal at your age. How many hours do you sleep? Nine hours. Okay, maybe ask your dad to check whether at the age you need nine or ten or more. So medically, if you, at the age you need more, you need more. Babies, how long? I don't know. Fourteen hours. All right, please don't. Hey, Daniel, deny yourself. Wake up. All right. So there are different, different things. But as adults, we know what is wrong. All right? So even the, wrong, the right things can be wrong. Even the right, some of the right things we need to deny ourselves. Do you realize this is very different from satisfying yourself? Because when we go to Christian hedonism, it's all about satisfying yourself. But please remember, when Christ says, follow me, the first thing is not satisfy yourself Have pleasure. Seek God for pleasure. The first thing is deny self. It's very opposite. It's a very contrary theology, but it sounds very convincing. Okay? Um, All right, so first step, deny self. I think that's all we can cover. The next time we come back, God willing, we'll, we'll talk about the next step take up his cross. Okay, let us pray.